We want you to lock in. We want you to be with us. When we shout, you shout. When we pray, you pray. And I know that God is going to fill your room. Abba, I belong to you. So Saturday night, I brought that message entitled Silent Saturday. What did Jesus do on that Sabbath day of rest when his body lay in that tomb of Joseph of Arimathea? And today, it's past Saturday night now, and it is the morning after. So I want you to turn your Bible if you have it or click in there on your phone or whatever device you've got. And I'm going to speak to you in brevity today concerning the morning after. From Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, here's what your Bible says. And it came to pass. <laughs> I just got reminded in my heart that that's what I've been telling so very, very many people that are in the throes of this coronavirus, this deadly, this menacing, this, this blight that is upon America and the world. And I did receive several prayer requests. I want you to know that came to pass and this shall come to pass. This shall pass also. But I want to pray today and let them know that I'm praying for Narolin. Narolin is a Valor Christian College student. Of course, right now our students are all gone from, uh, from the campus here. But she said, could you pray for family members of Miss Narolin, four of them in New Jersey, all diagnosed with COVID-19. And one is her precious mother. One family member has already passed away. So we pray for that family. We pray for your family. However, this diabolical virus is attacking you whether it's in your finances, whether it's attacking your joy, this too shall pass, whether it's attacking your body. I pray for you right now in the mighty and glorious name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whose precious blood was spilled not only for our eternal salvation, but to heal our bodies and to prosper us financially. Lord, you have said it is your will that we prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. So now we receive your mighty hand to stop this thing and we declare to it, we rebuke you, stop. Do not come one step further. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ on this resurrection morning against you and all associated with you. Be gone now. Fever, I break your power. Fever is part of the curse in Deuteronomy 28. And you are part of the blessing. You are not part of the curse. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. We are redeemed 
He paid the purchase price to bring us back into wholeness, spirit, soul, and body, and all that pertains to life and godliness. Well, I just wanted you to know that we're praying for you, and that came upon me as I read verse number one of chapter 11 of the physician's gospel. That would be the gospel according to St. Luke. So I'll begin again. And it came to pass, right there where you are, just shout, this too shall pass. This thing came, but it came to pass. I feel the anointing. I thank you, Lord, for a breakthrough, break over, break out, break in anointing. I praise you for a passive, this is a word for you right now. This is not my sermon. This is a word in season right now for those of you that are weary. God told me when I was 17 years old, I'm gonna give a word in your mouth to speak in season to those who are weary. And I speak it to you now. You have a passing through anointing. I was praying for a lady in a prayer line once and uh, I, was, I was praying along. She said, now wait a minute, let me tell you what my problem is. And she started in about her problem. And I just interrupted her and I said, dear lady, I don't need to know everything that's wrong with you because I know the one that will make it all right when we speak his name. And she said, well, you're pretty young preacher. Back then I was. And she said, I'm going through. And she started through all of it again. I said, stop. And I started dancing. She said, how dare you young preacher dance when I tell you I'm what I'm going through. I said, ma'am, do you understand what you just said? You just prophesied your deliverance. You said, I'm going through. And I need you to know today, you're going through. This thing came, but it came to pass. I feel somebody just getting up off your sofa right now and doing a little Holy Ghost dance right there where you are. Oh, it's resurrection day. Let the resurrection power of God be released in you right now. I'm going to try to get through this text. Are you ready? And it came to pass that's as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place. When he ceased praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. And Jesus responded, Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our sins, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Are you praying it with me? And let us not fall into temptation but deliver us from evil. 
Oh, hallelujah. A Baptist boy likes to finish it with, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and forever. And if you agree, shout a hearty amen right there where you are. Now remember, I'm an audience participation preacher, so I want you commenting right now. Hallelujah, bless the Lord. Preach, pastor, however the Lord leads you, and let everybody else in the world know you're in agreement with me. We cannot begin right there. We have to begin way, 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 way back in the elegant Garden of Eden, for it was there with our pristine parents that God fashioned man from the dust of the ground and every atom began to whirl and spin and sing until man in his created form stepped off the creator's palate and said, hello God, what a God, what a garden everything pleasing to the eye and pleasant to the taste, the happy, splashing, rolling river of the fountain of life, the great bougainvilleas and Arthenium flowers blossoming and blooming everywhere, all of the animal kingdom walking in kindness one toward the other. But you know the story, don't you? Right there in the middle of paradise, Adam, sided with God's great arch enemy. And the boldest rebellion in the human family was begun. God came down. He came way, way down into the midst of all of that retrieval where man had wound his moral clock backwards. The image of God had been smashed to pieces. Death came and turned blue the lips of the children of men. The locust and its great king came and turned blossom into dust. With flaming sword, man was banished to the eastern plains of sterile Eden. There he stood in jeopardy before God and before the holy angels. Death was the mark on him. That is except for Genesis chapter three and verse 15. For it was there that God gave a propitiation. That's a great big word. It simply means a promise with hope attached. <laughs> a seed would come. I double dog dare you to shout. A seed would come. And that seed would change everything forever. You see, there is a seed that changes everything forever. The serpent would bruise his heel, <laughs> but the seed would crush the serpent's head. Now men walking to and fro under the horrible curse of sin, walking in a huge processional toward the grave. Look at man, the furrow in his brow told us of the agony that rode across his face. 
the mournful, whining sound of the funeral dirge could be heard everywhere. Man digging holes and placing in the earth and covering with soil their children. Suddenly, out of nowhere, the angel of mercy said to justice and the law, if you'll break across those bands and chains and swing wide that gate, I'll come in. Mercy said, I'll come in. I'll mop those fevered brows. I'll lift up those weighted hands. I'll, I'll bring life to those weighted hearts. If you judgment will just open the door. But the law stood demanding and said, no, sir. There's no weapon forged in the crucibles anywhere that can break these chains. Man is forever doomed. That's when mercy, <laughs> glory to God, climbed up in his forever chariot and rode high up on the forever mountain, scooped up the living Son of God and came rolling back across the Milky Ways in the midst of the stars and the planets. He came swirling by this cemetery planet. Jesus walked out of that chariot and said to justice, judgment, and the law, open this gate. But the law said, no, sir. No, sir. There's a price that must be paid. What's the price? Said Jesus. There must be blood sufficient enough to cover the wounding sins and the putrefying sores of all humanity. Who's gonna pay that price? Jesus squared his shoulders and looked through that gate and he said, I will. Justice and the law answered, when can we expect payment, sir? Jesus, with those Galilean eyes, stared judgment in the face and said, you meet me right here. You know that Jerusalem is the exact center of the world. Do you know that more battles have been fought over that little tiny sliver of ground on the Mediterranean than anywhere else in the world and all of them combined? Jerusalem, that diamond that God placed upon a beautiful green couch. The exact geographical center of the earth. Judgment and the law said, when can we expect payment? Jesus replied, you meet me right here. 4,000 years hence, and right here, I'll show you the blood that will heal the wounding sore and putrefying sin of humanity. Here, I'll pay that price in full. So our Redeemer,
came conquering in to conquer in dyed garments of Bozrah. He comes traveling in the might of his own strength, born in a barn, because after all, that's where a lamb ought to be born. He came bursting through the bloody flanks of a 14-year-old virgin girl while angels sang, happy birthday, and shepherds showed up to see if it was true. Well, in Luke chapter 1, his birth is foretold. In Luke chapter 2, his birth is recorded. In Luke chapter 3, along comes John the Baptist saying, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In Luke chapter 4, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and tempted 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness and announced, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of jubilee. Luke chapter 5, I kind of took a break from ministry, gave him a fishing lesson. Luke chapter 6, he chooses his disciples and preaches the Sermon on the Mount full of those beatitudes. Luke chapter 7, he finds great faith in a centurion soldier who said, I'm not worthy that you come to my house. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. He raises the widow of Nain's son from the dead. Luke chapter 8, he preaches the great parable of the sower. He calms the storm and delivers the demoniac of Gadara. He heals the woman with the issue of blood and raises to life again Jairus' dead daughter. Luke chapter 9, he commissions the 12. Luke chapter 10, he gets some more help and sends out the 70. Now, Luke chapter 11, from where we took our text, He's exhausted from ministry. He's exhausted by people. Miss Joni and I often say, can we do this without people? Well, we said it jokingly, but right now, that's how I'm having to do it. He was weary. He was tired. He just, like you sometimes, he just needed to be alone. So he retreats down into the Kidron Valley. Upon one side, Temple Mount, Mount Moriah, where Abram offered Isaac. He kneels there to pray. On the other side, Mount Olivet, where he will soon return to this earth. He's there laying prostrate on the ground. He's praying. It's night, and one of the disciples stumbles over him. They had never heard anyone pray like he prayed. So they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he uttered those words. 
our Father. Now those words don't mean a lot today. We're living, Dr. Lowe, we're living in a fatherless culture. Harvest Preparatory School, over 700 students right here on this campus. Well, over 60% of them have no father in their life. So it's difficult for us to understand those two riveting words that paralyzed the disciples. Our father. That was a, that was a revolutionary statement. Pagan philosophers, all that the religious world had ever known was everybody speaking in vague terminology about God. They, they called him the uncaused cause. They, they called him the immovable mover. You see, until that time, God was unknowable and he was impersonal. But Hebrews 11.6 changes that for you. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Leave that aside and listen carefully to the furtherance of the verse. For he that comes to God must, number one, believe God is. And number two, that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Do you know what that means? Not only does God exist, my dear friend, God can be personally known. There are three legs on the stool of a thoroughly biblical worldview. First of all, we know God is our creator, so we know where we came from. Number two, what went wrong? Well, there was a fall. That happened in Genesis 3, where man was separated from God, separated from life, separated from joy, from peace, from blessing, from security. But then that third leg, that's called redemption. That's how it all gets made right again. Redeemed. How I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed by his infinite mercy. God's child, our Father, forever I am. Listen to Romans chapter 8 verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery, but you received a spirit of of adoption through which, here we go now, lock in with me. We cry, Abba, Father. The literal English translation of Abba, our Father, is Daddy. Or you could say Papa. The full translation is my own dear Father. Now in first century Palestine, they, they didn't speak Greek and they didn't speak Hebrew. Jesus spoke Aramaic. And in Aramaic, they tell us that a child begins to speak 
at about 16 months of age. Well, both of my children were like the majority of children. The first words both of them spoke were dada. Isn't that right, Blair? Do you remember that? She's down there on the front row. You don't remember saying da-da, do you? Well, I remember you saying it, that's for sure. Da-da, father. But in Aramaic, they didn't say da-da, that's English. They said ab, abba, abba. At 16 months, what a revolutionary revelation that Almighty, the eternal God, can be approached with absolute trust by a 16-month-old child. I wonder why more of us have not approached him. I think it's because we make the gospel so complicated. Brennan Manning, Miss Joni's favorite author, although I've written over 80 books myself, <laughs> I understand why the great Brennan Manning, a former Franciscan priest, was her favorite author. Brennan Manning told a story. He said, I'll never forget an experience years and years ago. It was about 3 a.m. when suddenly I heard a rap, rap, rap at the door and I opened the door and a squeaky little voice said, Brennan, can I talk to you? Oh, he said, I opened the door and there stood a little five foot tall, 78 year old nun. She was weeping. Sister, Brother Manning said, what, what can I do for you? She said, well, I've never shared this with anyone. She said, it all began when I was five years old. My father slipped into my bedroom and slid down beneath the covers with his naked body touching mine. He would touch me here and he would make me touch him there. He said, it's what our family doctor told us we should do. When I was nine, I lost my virginity to that man. When I was 12, I already knew every kind of sexual perversion that you would read about in dirty books. Well, Many of you have felt that pain. She said, Brother Manning, do you have any idea the hatred that I've lived with for myself and my father? I wouldn't even take communion unless I was to be exposed and conspicuous. Brother Manning prayed for that precious nun, prayed for her healing. And then he said something very, very strange. He said, sister, I want you to find a quiet place 
every single morning for the next 30 days, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to lift up your hands and I want you to say this one simple phrase, Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. Seven perfect syllables in rhythm with the human heart, in rhythm with our breathing. You breathe in, Abba, and you exhale, I belong to you. Through her tears, she agreed that that's exactly what she would do. After that 30 days ended, she wrote a follow-up letter. She described a complete forgiveness of her father and a peace that she had never known in seven to eight years of religious life. These were her words. She said, Father Manning, a year ago, I would have signed this letter with my religious name, Sister Genevieve. But she said, I will never sign my name like that again. So I thank you, Father Manning. And she signed that letter, Daddy's little girl. In Luke 22, it's Jesus there. He's under the full light of a Passover moon. He's sweating great drops of blood and he's saying that word, Abba, Abba, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. This is the greatest act of unwavering faith recorded in your Bible, that hanging on that cross, Jesus believed that Abba would vindicate him. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free, but there he died alone for you and me, the ringing of the hammer could be heard. Nails parted, sinew and flesh. Nerves jerked spasmodically. Blood flowed freely down a naked side and dripped off his toes into bloody pools on the ground. The sun hid its face in sympathy over the agonizing cries of Jesus. The world itself began to shake. Rocks began to split. Fear paralyzed the hearts of men. A Roman soldier uttered those words. Surely this was the Son of God. The battle lines formed quickly. The Son of God nailed to the cross of Calvary. Over to the left, he saw justice and the law pointing its angry finger and saying, if you're going to open up this cemetery, there must be the sacrifice of blood. Caiaphas, that rotten high priest came. All of his religious Sadducees and Pharisees were with him, wagging their heads and saying, if you're the Son of God, Come down from that cross. To the right, here came hell 
and all of its demons. The last enemy to be conquered, death, riding on his pale, pallid horse, parading back and forth in front of that cross. And Jesus looked at that and shouted, Abba, forgive them. They know not what they do. Finally, the Abba of Jesus, who carpets the valley in green, who feeds the baby raven, turned his back and walked away. After 35 years of studying the crucifixion, a French biblical scholar by the name of Pierre Benoit said he believed that the Abba of Jesus spoke to the living Christ as he hung pallid and pale, nailed to that cross, his body bathed in blood. Benoit believes that the words that Abba spoke to the Lord Jesus were the words of the Song of Solomon in chapter 2. Come now, my love, my lovely one, Come, for you the winter has passed, the snows are over and gone, the flowers appear in the land, the season of joyful songs has come, the cooing of the turtle dove can be heard in the land. Come now, my love, my lovely one, come. Let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet. Your face is beautiful. Come now, my love, my lovely one, come. The Abba of Jesus was calling him home. Home off of this cursed cemetery planet. Home where we leap like a heart over the everlasting hills of God's glory. No more crosses to bear there. No more sighing, no more crying, no more dying. All but is peace on that everlasting shore. Fellowship, communion with the Abba. And Jesus hears his voice. Come now, my lovely one, come. Jesus cries out of the loveliness of that moment. Abba, I'm coming. Abba, I'm coming home. And with his last breath into thy hand, I commit my spirit. It is finished. Father Manning often visits the only leper colony in the United States of America. It was in South Louisiana. <clears throat> Speaking of one of those visits, <clears throat> Father Manning said, I walked into that 
home of all those leprous people. And a nurse immediately recognized me and she came running and she said, Father Manning, come quickly. Come and pray with Yolanda. She's dying. I went up, up the stairs to Yolanda's room and I sat on the edge of her bed. Yolanda is 37 years of age. The leprosy began to ravage her life. She must have been, said Father Manning, one of the most radiantly beautiful women that God ever created. In pictures, she had the largest, most mesmerizing brown eyes set in an extraordinarily, exquisitely chiseled face with high cheekbones and long brown hair, hanging all the way down to a slender waist. <laughs> but that was then. Now her nose has disappeared. Her mouth is contorted. Both ears are gone. She has no fingers, only two stumps at the end of her arms. Two years earlier, her husband divorced her and commanded her two sons to never see her again. Yolanda was dying. She was alone. She was abandoned. Father Manning anointed her with oil. He prayed with her. And as he turned around to put the lid back on the bottle of oil, the room suddenly filled with a brilliant light. As he turned to look at Yolanda, her face shone like a thousand sunbeams. He had to shield his eyes from the radiance. She said, oh, Father, I'm so very happy. And he said, why? She said, oh, the Abba of Jesus just came and told me that he would take me home today. After a lengthy pause, Father Manning said, well, what exactly did he say? She said, the Abba of Jesus said, come now, my love, my lovely one, come. For you, the winter is over. The snows have passed. The flowers appear in the land. The season of joyful songs has come. The cooing of the turtle dove can be heard in the land. Come now, my love, my Yolanda, come. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is beautiful. Come now, my love, my lovely Yolanda come. Six hours later, her little leprous body was swept into the furious love of her Abba. Just like Jesus, she had to be where her Abba was. Later that day, Father Manning asked around that leper colony and all the nurses and doctors. And to his amazement, he found that Yolanda was illiterate. She had never read any book, much less the Bible. He inquired of those that came and visited her. No one had ever read the Song of Solomon to her. Her Abba simply picked up her head and whispered in her ears, come now, 
my lovely one, come. We used to sing a song in church. It was very simple. It simply said, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. Could we change that today? Could we say, all to thee, my Abba Father, I surrender all. Just as surely as you're hearing me right now, there will come a time when the world is dying and the moon is bleeding and the seas are seething under the whiplash of fury to spill their dead in the lap of God. There will come that time when every man and every woman, every boy and every girl will stand before Abba. I pray that in that moment, you will know him as Abba, not the man upstairs, not just a God. Because there's going to come a time when you will breathe your last breath as Jesus did, as Yolanda did. We call that the great getting up morning, those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior because we'll all get up. Paul from his pallet on the Nile, Daniel from the red ruins of Shushan, Abram and Sarah from underneath the limestone arches of Machpelah Cave. There's a little cemetery on a hillside just outside Warfield, Kentucky. That's where my mother's buried. That's where my father's buried. That's where my sister is buried. But one day they'll get up. I know they're waiting for me now because they left this earth with the full assurance that the Abba of Jesus was their Lord and their Savior. Do you know him? Not about him. Do you know him personally, intimately? Do you have the full assurance that if he should call tonight, you'd be ready? The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the Bible also says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a morning to say yes to Jesus. Accept him as your personal savior. Do it right now, let's pray. Just pray after me. Heavenly Father, Abba of Jesus, I receive you today as my personal Lord and Savior. Forgive my sins. Cleanse me by your blood and let me be resurrected on the inside even as you came out of that tomb. I receive you. I believe in you. I confess you as my Savior. I believe you've done that. I want you to type in the comments just as quickly as you can the word saved. S-A-V-E-D, do it right now, don't hesitate, don't wait a moment. I've got some literature I'm gonna send you absolutely free, but do it 
Your Bible says with your heart you believe, but with your mouth you confess. So the way you confess right now is to type in the word saved and let the world know the Abba of Jesus is your father too. That's why he said, our father. Hallelujah. Well, I thank you for hanging out with Harvest Music Live and myself today. It's very, very odd. And yet I can tell you, this is the fifth Sunday that I've had to gather our congregations together like this. All I can tell you is the anointing increases every week. Keep praying, keep believing, keep standing against the wiles of the devil and know that I'm in agreement with you and this too shall pass. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.